Are you ready to take control of your wealth and design the life you envision for yourself and your family? Welcome to Wealth of Insight with Austin Wittenberg from Wittenberg Wealth Partners. Austin guides you through the entire planning process to help you build a plan that seeks to protect your financial future. He empowers you with creative investment opportunities and planning ideas to help you understand and achieve your long-term goals. It's time to gain confidence in your financial future. Now, onto the show. Welcome back to the Wealth of Insight podcast. I'm your host, Austin Wittenberg, joined by Wendy McConnell today. She's been a great guest for us here over the last few episodes, just listening to me ramble and ramble. So One of my favorite things to do. Yeah. <laughs> it is back to school season now for everybody. To me, that really what that means is it's football season, right? Oh. So football is back, which is the best time of year, you know? Yeah, but, unless you're a um, Cowboys fan. Yes. <laughs> As an Eagles fan over there, you would... You would have a Cowboys dig. Make sure I'm my wife sorry. doesn't I listen to this episode. Just couldn't resist. <laughs> also coming back this year, and the topic of our episode today is student loan payments, right? So we've got some facts here on student loans, and it's now, you know, for the last three years because of COVID, and we'll get into these details, it's sort of everything was on pause over the summer here. The Supreme Court said, hey, we can't do this anymore. We've got to get people paying their payments again. So um, just some real quick facts on on student loans. Some of this, you know, a lot of this has been in the news recently. There's been a lot of talk over the last few years with Biden in office trying where he's been out looking to try to forgive loans and do some things. We'll go through sort of the history there. And then actually just last week, he announced a new student loan repayment plan that I think is going to apply to, they're estimating it's going to apply to about half of the borrowers out there. And there's some changes there for people with student loans. So real quick here, just a few quick facts off the top. There are currently 43.6 million people in the United States that have student loans. That's a pretty substantial number of people. There's almost, it's well, it's $1.77 trillion of total debt outstanding. Wow. So, it's, you know, as with a lot of things we've seen recently, credit cards and other things, right? Every year that number just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And it's really starting to be a, I don't want to say it's a drag, but it's, you know, it's a really big number. And if you look at that just on an average basis, let's say the average balance out there is about 37, 38,000 per borrower, you know, on average. And that includes some of the people who are going to, you know, private expensive schools. If you just look at those that went to say the average public university, their loans are about 26,000. So it's not these crazy numbers. You know, you hear horror stories all the time of people who owe six figures and it's almost like they got, you know, it's almost as much as a mortgage, right? At, at that point. Right. And I have a handful of clients, quite honestly, that are, are medical professionals who have mortgages for their education, right? Yeah, I but, mean, and that makes sense because it's yes. a very long process. Yes, in that case, it makes sense, and they come out of that ready to be able to pay those back, right? Hopefully, they're going to make the money to pay yes. those back. <laughs> you know, again, but you've heard the horror stories of the people go to school, they get a six, they you know they got six figures worth of loans, and they come out and they're. They don't make, you know, they, a teacher or something that's just not making a significant amount of income. And those loans start to become a major 
burden for them. So the hope is that with some of these new plans that have been laid out, people can try to get out from underneath that. You know, the loan forgiveness has certainly been out there a lot, and it's a really divisive topic. I totally understand. As someone who was able to make it through school without having to take loans, you know, I feel very fortunate for that. And I I probably would support a one-time sort of forgiveness for some of these people because I do think it's been historically speaking, and it's getting better as with most things, but there have definitely been some predatory practices and education is just the costs have gone up so much that it escalated so quickly. You know, young 18 year old college kids getting these loans, I don't think quite maybe were educated the way they needed to be on what they were signing up for, but that's a whole separate topic that we won't get into today. (laughs) For that Um, tiny little bit. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, they did end up being able, he's applied, you know, he's come a number of times with, Hey, we want to forgive $20,000 to everybody or 10,000 to everybody. Or he was able to actually cancel student loan debt, 116 billion worth, right? So when you compare 116 billion to that 1.7 trillion, it's a pretty small amount, but it's still, you know, it's like 800,000 borrowers, are eligible or were are going to get some, if not all of their student debt canceled with one of the things he's done. And those are people who, who have become disabled going to school, getting loans, but then have a permanent disability. And that's really impacted their ability to pay back those loans. Obviously there's, there's something called the private or public service loan forgiveness program, which has always existed, but they're sort of expanding that. So there's a, a large chunk of people, if they're doing public service jobs, typically those pay less than, private sector jobs, they're eligible for some repayment. And they actually discovered that there was a lot, a large chunk of people who should have already had their loans forgiven based on normal guidelines, but just hadn't sort of had fallen through the cracks of the administration. You, know, you can imagine if you're trying to keep track of nearly 44 million people, there's going to be some people fall through the cracks there, right? Yeah. So there has been a, a, a chunk of of that student debt already forgiven, but again, hundred billion in the course of one point seven trillion is sort of a drop in the in the bucket there. So there's been some progress there, you know. And like I mentioned, during COVID, that's when during 2020, Trump came out and said, "Hey, we're going to pause student loan repayments. Your interest is not going to continue to accumulate." This this was you may have heard the word forbearance. That was mm. the the program that was going around that said. We're going to pause this temporarily because who know we don't know what's going on with COVID. We don't know what this is going to turn into. So let's pause those student loans. And then three years and nine extensions later, we finally, as I mentioned, starting in October of 2023, payments are going to be due again. Um, and that's, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think for a lot of people, they're going to be shocked because as is human nature, people probably haven't been, even though they haven't had to pay on those loans, they've probably been spending that money elsewhere as opposed to saving it, knowing that this would come back eventually. Right. So, you know, I think that there will be some backlash there, but to a certain extent that everybody knew, Hey, this was coming. You were going to have to pay at some point, you know, it wasn't going to be forgiven forever, but they are going to help a little bit, help people ease into that. So there there are people do have to start paying again, like I mentioned, October of 2023, but they have said we're going to have a one-year on-ramp period. Meet what and what that really means is, 
if you can't afford your payment or you miss your payment or you're, you're only doing a partial payment or late payments for the next year, those are not going to ding your credit score. They're not going to send your loans to collections or anything like that for the next year. So they're giving, you know, you got to start paying them in October. But if you struggle getting back into that, we're going to be a little lenient for the next 12 months, not trying to ruin your credit score and do those other things. So that's sort of a way to help, I think, people ease back into this a little. And then the last sort of new thing. So there's been, well, I guess I should say there's a number of ways that people can pay back their student loans, right? First is their interest rates, historically speaking, have been anywhere from, let's say, 5 to 8% on your student loans, depending on the type of loan and who gave it to you and what your education background is. There's a handful of different factors that play into what your interest rate will be. So you could just be paying that back as stated on the, you know, here's what your interest payment is. Let's pay that back over a 10-year, 15-year, 20-year time period. We did see a number of people when interest rates got so low over the last few years, refinancing their federal student loans to private institutions where they could get a lower interest rate, potentially it would just reduce the amount of interest they'd have to pay, help them get out of debt, get out of that debt faster. And the high income medical professional types were able to really take advantage of a lot of those opportunities when interest rates really low. Most people that I come across, and it seems like most people I'm talking to are on what's some on what's referred to as an income-based repayment plan. So they look at their income their family size, where they live, et cetera. And there's a calculation that is used to determine, okay, here's how much you're going to have to be paying on these monthly payments. And that has led, you know, it's reduced what people have to pay so they can actually afford to make some payments. But that's what's led to a handful of the horror stories you've heard where someone may say, hey, I had $50,000 of debt when I came out of school. I made every payment that I had. And here I am 10 years later, and I owe 60000 instead of fifty, even though I've been paying all along the way because those what whatever they've been having to pay back based on that calculation that's used wasn't enough to actually cover the interest. And that's, again, one of these ways that people have gotten really behind in getting on top of this issue, which has allowed it to balloon to that $1.7 trillion. So I actually think what Biden announced last week is going to be a positive movement for a lot of people. So they announced what's called the save plan. And the save plan, one of the things that it does is it doesn't allow your loan to continue to accumulate. So as long as you're paying what your interest interest or income-based repayment number is, that the gap that you may not cover, again, just to make the math easy, let's say you're you have 100,000 in student loans and the payment is your normal interest rate is 6%, so your payment is going to be 500 bucks a month. That's just, you know, just to make up some easy numbers here, but you're because of your income, you're really only required to pay $300 per month. They're not going to keep adding that onto your loan. So your loan's not going to accumulate that the extra interest. Now, they're not it's not going to reduce it either, right? You're still going to have to pay that at some point, but they're not going to allow those plan, you know, your loans to continue to accumulate. Do you so mean they're, that they're not going to charge interest on that extra two hundred dollars? Right. Yep. They're not going to tack that on and then start okay. letting that. Yep. So you still owe it. You, you still owe able. the hundred thousand back. Right. Right. So you still owe that additional two hundred dollars a month that you're supposed to pay based on the five hundred a month, but they won't put. They'll only tax you or give you the interest rate on. The three hundred. They're not going to 
you know, double, not, it's not double dip, but you know, since you can't pay the full amount, you're not going to be subjected to the interest rate. Right. Yep. I mean, I'll read exactly just to get, maybe make this. Is that going to help or no? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Reading. Yeah, we'll see. So what they say is that we want to ensure that borrower borrowers never see their balance grow as long as they keep up with their required payments. So the Department of Education will stop charging monthly interest not covered by the payment on the save plan, which is sort of what you were saying. No, not interest there. So borrowers who pay what they owe will no longer see their loans grow due to unpaid interest. For example, if a borrower has $50 in interest that accumulates each month and their payment is only $30 per month, that remaining 20 would not be charged. So they're not, they actually aren't going to have to pay that. They just don't get charged that as long as they're making the payment they're supposed to. And they're estimating about 70% of the borrowers who are on an income-based plan will benefit from their current payment that they're being told to pay is less than their interest. So they're going to benefit from not having to make up that gap. So that could be a really big deal for people. The other thing, so the way that these income-based repayment plans work is they take your adjusted gross income. So look at what's your income, and then they look at what's the poverty level for where you live. So depending on where you live, what's the poverty level? And then they take a hundred and they used to take a hundred and fifty percent of that poverty level. Then they, you know, your income subtracted by that poverty level, and that's how. And then it was essentially ten percent of that number. So that's a really complicated formula, but ten percent of what they would call your discretionary income, and the way they calculate that discretionary income was your income minus the poverty level plus one hundred and fifty percent. They're now upping that to 225%. So they're going to, again, that's another way they're trying to shrink everybody's payments. So they're shrinking the payments that are due and then not making them pick up that excess interest. So it's going to make a really big impact, especially for low income earners, right? So you graduated from school. Again, I, I hate to keep using teachers as the example, but teachers are the people I think of that probably make the least money relative to their importance in society as just about anybody. So we'll keep keep using them. It's going to really, you know, so it's going to save they're estimating about 1000 to $2000 per year per, you know, in reduction in costs, in reduction in payments for people that qualify here for this plan. So, like, you know, 1000 to $2000 again doesn't sound like it's going to completely change your life, but if you're not making a lot of money, that's a pretty significant raise to your take-home pay that's not having to go out for these loans. And then the last piece of this is they're providing early forgiveness for low balance borrowers. So the way that that's, again, the, depending on the type of loan and when you got that loan, the, the thresholds are a little bit different here. But if you only went, if you went to one school and you have less than, if you took out less than $12,000 in loans, rather than having to wait 20 years, which is the typical forgiveness period for the, again, these income-based repayment plans you pay, if you pay in for 20 years and at the end of that, they forgive whatever the remaining balance is. Now, when they forgive that, you do pick that up as income taxes in most cases. So that's important for people to realize. And and I've done a lot of modeling and forecasting for clients who are on these income-based repayment plans saying, hey, we're not going to pay it off. So 20 years from now, you're, you're going to have to pick all that up, you know, pick that up as income and pay taxes on it. But what they're doing now is if you have a low balance, like 12,000, they're going to start the forgiveness after 
120 payments or 10 years rather than 20 years. So just shortening the amount of time, again, cutting way down on the amount of interest that those borrowers will pay for those that have the low balance loans, get them to forgiveness a lot quicker so that they can, you know, again, deal with the tax consequences, pay the taxes, but be out from underneath that burden of interest payments that they have to continue to make. So the forgiveness program was something that was already in place at the 20 year mark. Yeah. So with these income-based repayment plans, that has been a longstanding rule that after 20s, in some cases, 25 years, they would automatically just forgive it at that point. And then you wouldn't, and then you pick it up as income and pay the income tax then. Different than like with, you know, we where we started with they canceled student debt for those handful of people, right? In that instance, part of this, part of Biden's push here is whatever we're canceling now between now and really 2025, they're going to say also doesn't impact your taxes. You don't have to pick it up as income. But traditionally on those income-based repayments, there was already built-in forgiveness 20 to 25 years down the road, where then you pick it up as income and pay the taxes. Now, I know you touched on it briefly in the beginning, um, but the initial plan that was to forgive 10000 or 20000 of a particular student's debt at one time, that was voted down. Correct. Yep. So nothing has been, and Biden has continued to say, we're going to keep trying whatever we can try to help people with student loans. So there, that's a conversation that's not, certainly not dead. It was vetoed or whatever the right, I don't know what the right term is, but you know, the Supreme Court said, Hey, we're not doing that. Let's, so they got to go back to the drawing board and come right. up with a new plan that they think. So, but the also what was passed or what has happened sort of as part of this SAVE Act is for those that were disabled, like we mentioned earlier, or those who were on these income-based repayment plans, but are already 20 years in, but nobody just, the paperwork didn't get processed to forgive those as is. That was the majority of the money, I think, was that chunk of people who they've already paid in for 20 years. They should have already had it forgiven. Just weren't because again, we, you know, they're trying to track 40 plus million people just sort of fell through the cracks. Okay. I understand. So this program we're talking about now is something new that has been brought out to kind of compensate for the fact that the other one hasn't been allowed as of yet. Right. Yep, exactly. So this is a way to really help. And, you know, again, the target here, and this is again, the divisive nature of it is they're really trying to help the lower income people which is what makes the people who have been paying right mad because, but so they're trying to help. If we can't get it all the way forgiven, how can we ease the pain mm. today? If you look at his video, so Biden put out a video, they gave a bunch of statistics. I think they think about 20 million of the 43 million people will pay less in payments under this new plan that they've outlined. So it's that's a, again, a huge 20 million people is a lot of people, right? So it's a pretty broad, they're trying to help as many people there as they can. And, you know, again, they're going to have to pay them back at some point, but how do we ease that pain? How do we ease the burden knowing that hopefully if you have a loan, you know, you're, I would guess you're hoping that Biden's able to get something through to get some of that forgiven, right? I think it's going to continue to be a, a big topic especially as we get back around to election season, I would imagine this is a carrot that's going to be dangled that we're going to get this done, right? So now I'm certainly no, maybe I probably should have said this at the very beginning, but I'm certainly no student loan expert here. If you have student loans, you certainly want to make sure you're talking to your 
program advisor to your loan servicer. They have a lot of resources to help you determine which plans may be the best and help you look through different options in terms of getting what's the best payment plan for you based on your current situation. I've had a number of clients who've gone through those processes there, brought that information to me, and we can help try to interpret it for you because it's a lot of just numbers and financial mumbo jumbo. So certainly if you have student loans and you're wondering if you qualify for the new save plan or how that fits or what's going to be the best strategy for you, talk to your loan servicer. We can certainly help. Once you have your data on your loans, we can help interpret that for you as well. So if you have any questions about your student loans, you'd like to learn more about these plans and how it fits in your financial situation, please check out our website at wittenbergwealth.com or you can text me at 801-839-7056. Please remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you for listening to the Wealth of Insight podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Stratos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Stratos Wealth Partners and Wittenberg Wealth Partners are separate entities from LPL Financial. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wittenberg Wealth Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.